On Sunday, we entered the second week of our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Josh preached from Romans chapter 1, 8 through 17, and also referenced 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. On the podcast today, we're talking about the church in Rome and how they were well known for many great things at the time, but also faced some internal struggles. We asked the question, is that different from churches today? We also dive a little deeper into the Greek translation and meaning of a few words from this passage. We discuss the simplicity of the gospel and discuss practical ways that we might encourage each other's faith, as Paul says in verse 12. It's a great conversation today. Thanks for joining us. This is After the Message. All right. Hey, guys. Good morning. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Another week, and uh, so we just discovered that uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm not You're cultured. Out of the loop, you are indeed not I'm, cultured because I have not seen the Lego Movie. Yes, right. But and, what what got us to that understanding? Where what were we doing? Uh, I don't know. Like uh, and who started Neil was, it? Neil was singing a song. Everything like a is awesome. And what's the next song again? I forgot. It Everything already. is cool when you're part of a team. Yeah. There you go. Come on, guys. Like I. I I, I bet have you no haven't context watched. I bet you haven't watched Minions either. <laughs> no, I have minions. seen the Minions. There you go. Which yes. one? All well, actually, no. I've seen the Despicable more, Me movies. I have not seen the. There's more Minions than Fast and Furious. So, so yeah. <laughs> That's not, that is nowhere near true. <laughs> they can't be making Let's Fast and Furious movies. How many are there, like Google eight or that. nine now? Eight or nine Fast, Fast and Furious check. movies? No, so, there are like, 10, 11, like 10 or 11. How many Minion movies are there? Uh, Don't mind me. I'm just going to Google yeah, some Yeah, you go ahead with that. I want to see you transition from Fast and Furious and Lego to Paul in the Book of Romans. <laughs> go. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got nothing. Um uh, yeah, so uh, I guess here'll be our segue. Hey, we were we had another week in Romans Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was really smooth. It was, wasn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was great. Second week in 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 our uh, our Roman series, and so still working our way through the the first chapter, and um, it's a, it was a, it was another great Sunday, and and it just I think. We're, we're kind of easing into it. I mean, we haven't even got into the like the deepest parts of the book yet. We just finished the intro. Yeah. So <laughs> two weeks got so. through the intro. That's right. Halfway through chapter one. That's right. Which is a good point, right? So we're going to take thirty weeks to go through this letter. Mm-hmm. They read it in a sitting, like mm-hmm. like as they're sitting down. This letter is being read to them. It's being circulated around. And for us, like we we get caught up. Well, I mean, did he focus on this for this long? In reality, it's just a letter. Like they went from one sentence, yeah. well, the really long sentence, yeah. to, to another one, to another one. Um, and so we, I think it's a good thing. We have the honor to sit down yeah. and, and kind of pick it apart and, and see what was truly being yeah. said. Yeah. But for them, they didn't do that. Right. They would hear this letter, yeah. be encouraged, hear it multiple times, uh-huh. but they would just be encouraged by what the apostle has given to them. But I would think that they have a context, obviously, that we don't have. Um, so, so maybe parts of it made more sense to them in that yeah. moment than, you know. Certainly more <laughs> sense, <laughs> you know. And I think hopefully that's where like we, we have to work down, for it. right? We, we mm. want to know what, what they were doing, mm-hmm. their their situation in place, and that helps us rightly understand. That's a understand good point, it. though. I mean, I'm just thinking if I just, if I've never read it and I just heard this whole thing read to me, mm-hmm. which parts would stand out the most? Like what at the end of that would I be going back to going, oh, man, I got to hear that again because that part. Yeah. That part I want to hear. I want to figure that out. Well, that's right. That's yeah. a, that's so, are you asking that question like no, today I'm just, or no, first I'm century? Just curious, like if it yeah, if it were me today, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it were me just hearing it, not reading it, what would it be like? 
Yeah, but I guess the same for them. I have a really silly illustration that, that kind of helps me with mm -hmm. it. So uh, at the end of usually every day, my favorite show on television is called Pardon the Interruption. It's on ESPN. It comes on at 4.30. Uh, it's, it's just a sports show. Mm -hmm. uh, two talking heads, two older dudes, and I just think they've seen a lot of life. They play they with know, Legos. They, no, they do not play <laughs> Legos. They know a lot more about life uh, and experience more about life than I'll, I'll ever know mm -hmm. because they've just lived for so long about sports. And so when you're in that context and they're talking, like I don't sit down and parse everything that they're mm -hmm. saying. I don't pause it and say, oh, what was he really saying here? Yeah. Because we live in the context and right. we're receiving it real time and it stirs up emotion in us. Mm. It can make us angry. It can make us happy. It yeah. can make us sad, all the feelings. But we live in the context today. Right. So we can mm. receive a word and, and immediately understand it and apply yeah. it because we live in it. Yeah. Yeah. For them, they would do the same thing. They, they, lit, they were the Jews. They were the Gentiles. They yeah. were living in this tension of... What is sin? What is not? What is important? What yeah. What is more important? Um, and so for us, That's it's good. not wrong for us to pause yeah. and, and to walk through it slowly. Um, but for them, they, they didn't. Yeah. But I think it does raise a question maybe, I mean, like how much of this information was stuff that they were receiving for the first time? Because there's a lot of depth in, in the book mm -hmm. of Romans, right? You know, so it's... Um, you know, I mean, they are a church, and they they heard the gospel, obviously, and so, you know. But how much of this was uh, was stuff that that okay, this is like kind of new information versus mm -hmm. just things that Paul was reminding them of. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I, that I, I is think... great. I do not have an answer, but I'm assuming now this assumptions get you in trouble. Um, they didn't have the authoritative word from an apostle, mm -hmm. that, or at least. A direct letter from one. Yeah, um, they may have had teachings that were passed down because all of teaching at this point in history is is oration. Um, but I, I, from what we can gather and surmise from this letter, he doesn't say like Peter told you mm -hmm. or like so and so told you. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, so Paul, an apostle, tell you these things. Rami, how long after Pentecost do we believe this letter is written? So yeah, so probably twenty, twenty to thirty years. Okay, I mean we're 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 fifty to six. 56 to mm -hmm. 60 AD mm. when this this all goes down. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so we're like two decades. Yeah. So, so Preston, you raised a question earlier. You, I think it came up in your life group yesterday. You were, yeah. you were saying uh, about the church in Rome. Yeah. Um, so, and, and part of it comes from the fact that Paul has heard about them, and it, apparently word has gotten around to a, maybe the whole known world at that point that they were following the Lord in such an incredible way that the church was doing great. Um, and, you know, which we talked about in today's world, word gets around like instantly, right? But mm -hmm. for word to get around about that church in that context where news traveled much slower meant they must have really been doing a great job. And yet part of what he addresses right out of the gate really is, but there is some uh, internal conflict because you've got the the Gentiles and the Jews. And um, so it came up in life group. So are we to understand that this was a great church that also had some things going on internally where there was some rub? Mm -hmm. And apparently, I mean, from, from reading it, that's what it seems to be, which gave me great hope, right? Mm -hmm. um, that for, for churches in today's world, that you can both have some things that maybe internally... Uh, as a church family, you're you're struggling through. You're trying to figure out together. You're asking questions. You may not necessarily be on the same page as everybody else around you, and yet you have rallied around the gospel and you've said that we're not going to let these things prevent us from still doing what God has called us to do as a church. Mm. Um, so we had some some good discussion in our life group about that, and just uh, 
Hey, yeah. see, see if this sounds right. So, you know, I could go either way, I think, on it. Um, it. There's a part of me that believes, and there's a heart of unity that should be there in a church. Mm. Like, that's, that's a thing. And I think that's right. And, but then I think conflict, healthy conflict, is, necess- is necessary. Because if we're doing things as a church together and we're running to the hurting, we're living out the gospel— we're gonna step on each other in our in our brokenness as we're doing good stuff. We're just gonna, that's what's gonna mm-hmm. happen. Now, if we do nothing, we'll be pretty clean, hands clean. Mm-hmm. Like we're doing nothing wrong because we're not doing anything. But the more in which we engage the mission with mm-hmm. each other, and that gets wrapped into our struggles and our own sins as we're mm-hmm. living out those things, we should expect conflict. Because we're figuring things out as we're going, and we're having to confess and apologize, repent to each other. I think that's the expectation. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Is that how you guys think about it? Like, that's that's. Oh, I, I just I find that thought really interesting. It's almost it's almost another way of saying that maybe conversely, like if if we think we're free of conflict, it it may be an implication that we're really not doing much mm-hmm. of worth. You know, or that we're not. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so I, I don't know. That may or may not be true, but that's kind of what I thought about as you were saying. No, that. I think it's true, right? And and so whenever you hear the word conflict, I think that has a connotation of of many different things. Like yeah, somebody sure. can hear conflict mm-hmm. and think, well, I'm just going to go bust somebody up right. because they did something to right. me, or or I think the the right term and and which I hear you two using it is is conflict of in our sinful fallen state, we want to to glorify God, but mm-hmm. in the community of church, and this is why church is established in the first place to hold one another accountable Mm -hmm. and not accountable. Like I know you're going to do bad. So I'm going to help you do right. But it's this idea of the mission is before us and we have committed together Mm -hmm. to go do that mission. Mm -hmm. Any variation of that should be called into question, but not question in the sense of, I can't believe you would do that. I can't believe you forgot the mission, but more so, Hey, what's going on? Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. this is our mission. We've all committed to this and it has to be in a a loving brother Mm -hmm. and sister way where we look Mm -hmm. at one another and we spur one another on and to encourage Mm -hmm. and, and build one another up. I think that was Paul's point or I'm sorry, I assume Paul. Um, mm-hmm. I think the author of Hebrews point, whenever he says, don't don't forsake the gathering yeah. together as some believers have. And if you go right before that, he says, Man, we, we are called to stir one another mm-hmm. up in the affections of faith. Mm-hmm. And that's that stirring up that when you look at somebody's life and you have right to speak into them. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, if nobody has the right to speak into your life, you're never going to be stirred up yeah. Mm. because you're going to say, but it's not, no, this is my life. I'm going to do me. You do mm. you. We're going to come to church. We're going to praise Jesus for an hour and go home. Right. Again, that's not the biblical model of church. Church is life. The mission's in front of us. And we've got to go. Mm. Yeah. The more uh, I engage this, uh, the longer I'm doing this, this journey of following Jesus, I do believe like sanctification looks like doing life together with each other and seeing more evidence of fruit, fruit of the spirit. The other thing I'm, really, really more aware of is how depraved, how how broken I really mm. am. So I think both of those are examples of spiritual growth is when we see fruit of the Spirit inside of that living mm. life together, but also being aware of my motives mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. impure they really are at times. Mm-hmm. Both of those things to me are good examples of spiritual growth mm-hmm. yeah. that come out of that accountability inside doing life together with others yeah. who are pointing towards yeah. the gospel. What I think, you know, back to your, your original point, Preston, I, I mean, I think, you know, it really is really kind of a fallacy to think that any church would would be absent 
some kind yeah. of uh, tension right. or, or conflict right. ever because yeah. we're made up of people who are That's broken, right. who are who are in the process of being sanctified. That's right. You know, and we constantly live in the tension of the gospel yeah. and uh, and also our, our brokenness in, in, in navigating that. Yeah. And I think of, you know, I think of the book of Revelation where, you know, um, there are the churches, right? And mm-hmm. it's, hey, mm-hmm. I really commend you for this, but nonetheless, mm-hmm. I hold this, this against you. Like, <laughs> there, there are these things that, that you're not doing well. Yeah. And I think sometimes and, we, we want, as a church, we want to we want to look good in the sense of people looking at us and going, oh, they all they get along great. They're all about the same thing and, and everything. And and it feels bad if people would know that we have maybe some tension or some conflict. But that is like I mean, that's you put enough people in a room, you're going to have some conflict. And I, I remember mm. studying um, when we were coming coming through graduate school and studying families. There's this big word, so y'all can write this one down for later, called pseudo mutuality. Whoa, whoa, hold right? on, hold you want that on. one? That's almost as good as Eucharisto. But <laughs> Sheesh. there you go. That wasn't even Greek. Uh, it's not. I don't know where it comes from. But you know, you've got these families that on the outside look great, and and even internally they say, "Oh, we never fight." But what you realize is they never fight because they can't be real with each other, mm. and they can't call something into question in a healthy way, and they can't say, hey, uh, yeah, what you did, tell me more about why that happened, because I don't get that. So it looks good on the outside, but it's just as unhealthy on the inside, just in a different way. Mm-hmm. So I I love it. Uh, part of what I love about Scripture is when the writers give us a peek into what's really going on to say, hey, these yeah. are real people. Mm. These are real issues, real struggles. They're dealing with things, trying to figure out, you know, their faith, the culture around them. Um, because I go, that's, hey, we can relate to that, right? Yes, that's us. Yeah. So you brought up the word, oh, you were about to say no, something. Get there. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, you brought up the word Eucharisto, and uh, which is in the, the very first. I was going to use both the big words for this He part. did. He yeah. took all of them. I got them all. I know. <sighs> and he charged us $55 for this counseling <laughs> session. So <laughs> thank you for that. Yeah. My so I think it was you, Neil, that brought up the question of, you know, so in the very first passage, the very first verse of the passage that we looked at Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, the word thank uh, is actually the Greek word Eucharisto. And... We should talk about the significance of that. Yeah, Brady, is that usually the word that goes with thank? It is, um, which, again, it's not a unique word to, to the Eucharist or to um, and, and the Baptist faith. We don't, we don't usually call the Lord's Supper the Eucharist. Uh, but if you were to travel outside of our denomination, you mm-hmm. would go to a Eucharist service or a Thanksgiving service. And in that Thanksgiving service, you would take the bread and take the wine and you would remember the Lord Jesus and you would give, give thanks, thanks, right? Mm. Uh, and so that, that's the heart behind it. There are other words that mean thank. Um, Paul did use that one again, but it's not so exclusive that it's only ever used for the Lord's Supper or in Eucharist services. But there's a deep connotation here to, I thank God from the bottom of my heart for you. Hmm. In the same way that whenever we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we thank God for his son, Jesus Christ, and the sacrifice that he made. I don't think they are the same. Like I'm, if I'm putting them on a level, I don't, I don't think they're equal. Right. But the fact that he opens the line with that word about those people is a pretty big deal. Um, and, and again, remember, this is the intro. And again, I don't think that they would parse this out, but, but we need to, to understand it. Because he's about to say some really hard things mm-hmm. to two different people groups. Uh, and, and we have to remember, again, they're not in one setting and say, okay, we're going to cover six verses this week and, and right, seven right. verses next week. 
because he's going to immediately jump into sins. Because remember, the struggle here is you have the Jews saying, well, right, you love Jesus, but you need to be more mm-hmm. Jewish in your loving Jesus. And the Gentiles are saying, no, no, we're, we're free in Christ. Don't you understand what freedom is? And so, so you need to be free. Well, he's going to call out both of them. And if we're not careful, if we're only looking at sections of the verses and not moving past and getting the whole scope, mm. we can see it as, well, he's about to call out this group and this is bad. And then we just, for a whole week, we get seven days here at Broadmoor yeah. to think on all of these bad things that he said. <laughs> well, this is bad. And then he's going to turn it and say, right, but also but, the law yeah. is not meant to save you. It never was. It's meant to show you how wicked you are. So we're going there. All that to say, when we come here, he's helping them understand how deeply he loves them. Because remember, he's never met them. They don't know his apostleship other than the words on the scroll that's being read to him. And he's about to open his mouth and convey some really big thoughts to them. So I think that word's really important. So as a as someone's new to the Baptist denomination, can we use communion, Lord's Supper, Eucharist interchangeably? We can. Okay. Um, and, and I say that authoritatively. I think most people do, okay, um, because to all of them, it's just a symbolic representation. Um, we do have some denomination, some some different ecumenical backgrounds. So, like, um, here's the difference in Catholic Church and Baptist Church when it comes to the Lord's Supper or communion. Uh, we're let's have fun with big words. I was going to say, use right. it. I know where you're going. So, I know where you're going. <laughs> so, uh, we believe in consubstantiation. Okay, think of that word as constant. Uh, Catholics would go more towards transubstantiation, which means transform, okay? They would, whenever they take the Lord's, when they take communion weekly, they believe that the bread turns into the body and that the, the wine turns into the blood, conveying grace to them for the week. And so for many Catholics, it is like a thought of impossibility to ever miss communion. And if they do, then they've got to find a way to take communion because they are missing grace extended to them for that week. Well, for us as Baptists, number one, we don't believe that the the bread turns into anything or our great value grape juice turns into anything either. Hmm. It's a representation of of what Christ has done for us, the the body that was broken for us, the blood that's been poured out for us, which is the new commandment in Christ Jesus our Lord. So when we take it, it's constant. The bread Hmm. goes in, it stays bread. When the the juice goes in, it stays juice. But Hmm. but for them, it changes. And so Hmm. they would say, we're not going to use the word Lord's Supper. We're not going to use the word, um, any, anything to downplay what they believe it to be, mm-hmm. that they believe it is truly thanksgiving to Christ in the Eucharist service mm-hmm. to celebrate communion, bringing all people together at one time to receive grace from the Lord Jesus. Hmm. That's how we differ. Um, yeah. Now, if you asked and you didn't, should we as Baptists take the Lord's Supper more seriously? Yes. And what I mean by that, not to believe that it changes anything in us, <laughs> but I think sometimes we just come and we take it, all right, it's time for Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. Let's crack that top open on either side because we have our cool little new cups now. But we need to be mindful, like Paul even writes about it in some of his other mm-hmm. letters. It's the reason some of you are sick, mm-hmm. because you are not coming ready to take the supper. Your, your hearts aren't ready. You have, you have sinned against your brother and sister. You're not going to make that right, and you're still taking the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. We should, I believe that we should we take it more seriously. Mm. Mm. Good. Thanks for that. It was good. Yeah. Um, all right. So, hey, while we're talking about words, uh, yeah, I'm kind of jumping around in our... our uh, so the word to beat is transubstantiation. Or what was yours again, Preston? Pseudo-mutuality. Pseudofed. What you got, hey? 
Well, I was just going to ask about, so you, you, <laughs> you talked about the word dunamis. Yeah. Um, this is good. So this was <laughs> another, this was another uh, translation, mm-hmm. uh, you know, found in the, in the, the passage from Sunday. And so, Verse 16. Yeah. I feel like we're doing a Sesame Street word. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Dunamis. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> That's great. Wait, I've never seen that. What? I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, so you talked about it and, and kind of kind of related that. So we get our English word dynamite from that, right. you were saying, and, and you were relating that to the gospel and how it, you know, how it... Uh, uh, sort of interacts with our lives and and kind of how it blows things up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and it and it does right. So whenever yeah. we talk about the gospel, uh, and, and you know we were we were having a little fun before this. Listen, there there are many different ways to share the gospel, um, but if if any of those ways ever don't have see that double negative right there, if they ever don't have <laughs> Jesus and what He has done, then it's not the gospel. Like, like we, we can, we can make the story all we want. And I think that was, that is why Paul said in first Corinthians, the reason I came to you knowing nothing except Christ and Christ crucified is because I didn't want you to get caught up in my words. Mm. I didn't want you to get caught up in my intellect and what I know or the thoughts. Now remember, Gnosticism is starting to grow in this day. The, this idea of a special knowledge or a special understanding. Paul says, no, you don't, you don't need to know all of those things. You need to know the gospel. You need to know Christ, who he is, what he said, he, who he said he is. And what he has done. And so effectively, the crucifixion, which atones for our sin at the cross, the last word that Christ says, it is finished, right? To tell us stay is, is that word we remember at Easter all the time. And it's this idea that it is done. What is done? The whole reason he came to redeem humanity back to God. Mm. That's what he's done. That's the heart of the gospel. Mm-hmm. So when we come to these things, and, and this is a way oversimplification an explanation, but I don't think it's a way oversimplification in, in the reality of life. When we get caught up in sin, whatever that sin is, fill in the blank of whatever it is, or the symptoms of sin, the things that we do think are a part of, it's because we don't rightly believe the gospel, right? So, so we don't rightly believe Christ. We don't rightly believe that he, he is who he says he is or has done what he says he has done. And so when we get outside the scope of that, we take the throne that rightly belongs to him, and that is where everything starts to, uh, to fall apart. Mm. And so for this gospel, what, what Paul, I believe, is saying, and even as it's fleshed out through other writings that he has, is this is the power of God that works for salvation to all those who believe in Jesus Christ the Son. Well, what's the power? He uses the word dunamis, and and that word is it blows up the strongholds that held you back. Mm -hmm. So what are the things that hold us back? I think it's multiple and many, but at the core, it is a a non-belief in Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. and what he's done. Mm -hmm. So how do you change that? How do you you move seemingly the impossible? Well, it will never happen with self-help. It only right. lasts for a little while. It never helps. Never, never happens with promising God that you'll, you'll stop mm-hmm. doing this thing over and over again because we never do. We go back to Christ and Christ crucified. We go back to who he is and what he has done, and we throw ourselves at his mercy. That is the heart of the gospel. That mm-hmm. is the centrality of the gospel, and that is what changes and affects life eternally. So you said Christ and Christ crucified, and, and that, that's a reference from uh, 1 Corinthians, which is a passage that you referenced uh, on Sunday, um, where uh, you know, it says that, that uh, 
I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Um, I think, Neil, it was you that brought up earlier in our pre-recording conversation that, um, you know, why not also include the resurrection in that? Like, like why is, mm-hmm. is that not part, an important part of the gospel, right? Like, as we're, we're saying, like, we would normally say, hey, you know, Jesus came, he was crucified, and he rose he again. again. Like, that's, that's an important part. So talk, talk to us about why you didn't go there on Sunday. Yeah, so it certainly was a tension, and still is a tension, because I believe that if the resurrection doesn't happen, none of this other stuff matters. Um, it's the fact that he, ra- he was raised from the grave, raised from the dead, proves that he is who he says he is and, and has done what he says he's going to do. But the reason I didn't go there is because Paul didn't go there. Mm-hmm. Um, because if, if he said, I came to you only knowing this, Christ and Christ crucified. And then it goes on to say, I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling and my speech and my message were not plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Um, and so a lot of times uh, we, and I don't know if this was his tension. So again, this, this is some conjecture here. Um, but as I read through Paul, sometimes it feels that he is, his words are completely measured rightly. And again, we believe that it's the holy inspired and errant word of God. So we would assume that it would be so. Why didn't he add the resurrection to this when, when we move to baptism that is the picture of the resurrection. And so and this, is, this is how I resolve that. This is the core of the gospel. This, this, this is the gospel. I made a comment on Sunday that there is so much more in the gospel, but there's nothing more to the gospel mm-hmm. than Christ and Christ crucified. Mm-hmm. So, so in there, that is the good news. What, what is the good news? Okay, The good news is Jesus, the King of glory, has come down to this earth. He has come to atone for our sin and on the cross of Christ, he finished the work that God had sent him to do, right? So, so there is Christ and him crucified. To tell us day, it is over, it is done, mission complete, okay? All those other things are pointing to that moment, right? So we have the prophecies on this side of the cross. If you could see my hand, we're on the left side of the cross. <laughs> and then everything that happens on the right side or everything that happens on this timeline moving forward it's, it's coming from the gospel, inside of that gospel, and it's just adding adding beauty to it. And I believe as a part of that resurrection, the resurrection was the glory of God on display. Mm-hmm. When we get to that cross, that was the work of God being done. Mm-hmm. Because he doesn't come out of the grave and say, to tell us day. Right, right. Mm. That was the cross, he says, to tell us day. It is finished. And so he, so he all comes, the work was done on the cross, on the cross in terms of our salvation. The the resurrection was really a demonstration, so that we can look at it and go, look, here's here's what he did, but here's proof of who he said he was. That's exactly so that right. we can believe in what he did. That's exactly Is that right. fair? Yep. Okay. Mm. That's where I would go with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In our conversation in five minutes this morning, <laughs> <laughs> you may be sitting here thinking, I don't like that answer. That's okay. We, we yeah, well, and I, and I think, I mean, I, I really appreciate the fact that you wrestled with the tension, mm-hmm. you know, and, and didn't go there because Paul didn't go there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think, you know, you were true to, to, to what Paul said Ooh, in that passage. And, and listen, listen, guys, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of that yeah, in this yeah, letter, mm. that you can only go as far as Paul went. Yeah. And that's all we got. And, and there's going to be some great tension, and that's okay. Listen, there mm-hmm. should be tension mm-hmm. when we come to the holy, inspired, and errant word of God in our brokenness, mm-hmm. because it is going to make us tense on many different levels. Yeah. So this won't be the first time you hear that comment. I, that's what Paul said. <laughs> that's all I got. <laughs> Blame it on Paul. Yeah. yeah. I'm just the messenger. Um, 
So as we uh, as we as, as we push ahead, uh, there, there was a passage in in the the segment from Romans uh, that we we studied Sunday. Uh, I think it was verse eleven and twelve, where where Paul says, I, "I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you." That is that we may be mutually encouraged mm-hmm. by each other's faith, both yours and mine. And um, you know, it, it, I think it'd be good to maybe just spend a little time. And I think we did some of this last week, but um, I, I think it's it's always good to have these conversations. Like, how do we go about practically encouraging one another as 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 the church, as the body of Christ? Yeah, for me, it starts off in there have to be people. In, uh, I'll use me as an example, in my life who know me intimately and deeply. Mm. Um, so there's, because I don't know that, although I think that a worship service, when you gather in a large group, whether that's 30 or 3,000, uh, you are encouraged when you sing together. Um, you are encouraged when you hear the word preached. I think you're encouraged when you see people respond. I think those things are true. Mm-hmm. I think we meet in your life group. Those can be true just by your opening God's word and doing it. For me, the other thing that is necessary is that pe- there's a group of people who know me, mm. who know the things that I struggle with in my obedience to Christ, who then I know are praying for me throughout the week, um, who know what I'm going to struggle with and on my behalf intercede in prayer, um, who share their weaknesses and then we share God's faithfulness in our stories so that we rest and are challenged by what we have, what we know historically, whether we're talking about stories from Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, or examples in our current life where we see God's faithfulness and movement in us forward and see Him mm. uh, be faithful and act. Mm. And that, that can't happen at a distance or just mm. always historical. It has to be present. Mm-hmm. And so I think it, it requires those things. Yeah, what, do what do y'all think? Uh, for me, one great example happened last week. Um, we had Jonathan Evans uh, on campus for a, a men's event. What was that Tuesday night? Mm-hmm. And uh, he did a great, he, he encouraged me uh, in the words that he spoke. But after he spoke and we had the questions around the table, uh, I was there. One of my sons was able to be with me that night, and so he's sitting at the table. I've got some other men that I do a, a lot of life with. One of their son, son-in-laws was there. But as one of them shared, uh, he opened up just about how how much it had meant to him for the other two guys there to, to be part of his journey. Recently, he's gone through kind of some transitions, uh, very positive faith-filled transitions, but you know, with any faith-filled transition, there's also scary and so he just talked about the encouragement he had received uh, from being part of that group, which then encouraged me that my son is sitting there because he's able to hear another man uh, outside of our family talk about the importance of not just the importance of faith, but the importance of community walking this faith journey. And so in the, in the one man talking about the encouragement of, of the others, it actually brought me encouragement. And I thought that that was a mutual encouragement as we sat around the table that you just don't get if mm-hmm. you're doing life on your own. You know, you can read the Word, you can, you can certainly be encouraged from the Word, but it just is different when you're sitting with other, mm-hmm. other people. I think, mm-hmm. I think those, kind of, those kind of relationships, they accept us for where we are in the moment, but they have, this is where the accountability comes and says, we love you, we want you to be 
part of this. And we believe that the light of the gospel will highlight any areas of sin and shame and make that where that is no longer um, allowed in our lives. If we live in true community, mm-hmm. it's not just that we tell each other, you know, don't do it or stop it, but in the light of the gospel, we are compelled to repent and confess and move forward and not be left where we are. So to me, those relationships where people are, and I'm so thankful that Mark and the discipleship team along with mm-hmm. Sean like, included you know, a care, guide, and encourage. That's the idea of pouring courage into each other mm-hmm. to go, this, these, these relationships um, pour courage into, mm-hmm. we love you, we want you with us, and we trust that the Holy Spirit does a work that m- in accountability moves you forward pulls you forward to become more like Jesus and less like yourself. I think, yeah, and and I really appreciate what you you said earlier, uh, Neil, because I think, so so you talked about how I, there is some level of encouragement that comes from just coming to church and gathering in in the big room and and us, you know, singing together, hearing God's word. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are levels of, encouragement that we need uh, and that are that are appropriate and right and and help us in in the process of living out our faith um, that that we don't get apart from those kinds of intimate relationships that you're talking mm-hmm. about and as we look at the early church like like when I look in acts and and you see you know how those Christians were interacting with one another. Like it wasn't just come to church and mm-hmm. sing some songs and go home. Like, you know, it was daily. They were, yeah. they were together. They were breaking bread. They mm-hmm. were, they were praying. They were, you know, they were in one another's lives in, in intimate ways. And, um, and I think that's the, that's the example, uh, that I think we, you know, and so we talk about groups, um, and the importance of them. And I think it's just another, mm-hmm. again, it's another way of underscoring, like, mm-hmm. It's more than just coming and gathering in the big room to mm-hmm. for an hour and singing together, That's you right. know, or, or hearing hearing a good sermon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are levels uh, levels of intimacy and uh, mm-hmm. relationship and community that we need that go far beyond that. That's right. That's right. And and the goal for me, I always like to start with a goal in mind. The goal, at least according to whoever the author of Hebrews is, uh, whether it is Paul or somebody else, um, is to love and do good works. Right. And so so the whole reason that you shouldn't neglect the meeting together, as some have become accustomed to, according to to Hebrews 10, is that you are to consider how to stir one another up to love and do good works. Mm -hmm. For in that, you find encouragement, Mm -hmm. right? So I think there's there's twofold and two uh, assignments given here, right? So the end goal for us, why would we want community? Why would we want encouragement? Why would we want accountability? It's not for encouragement or accountability or community's sake, it is so that we can love and do good works, right? Mm-hmm. So, so we are saved to do good works. It's the whole reason we exist. We will net like we don't drift into that. We need to be encouraged by that. So, so the assignment number one for everyone is to know that we're created to do to love and do good works. Assignment two, and I think it's right in this passage, is that we are to consider how to stir one another up. And now we're we're not trying to preach Roman or uh, Hebrews ten right here, but I think it's important. To consider means we have to be thoughtful even mm-hmm. before the interaction happens. Right. So, so what is my relationship with the people around me? 
Mm-hmm. Am, am I there just for fun? Am I there just to to validate my existence, to make me feel better about who I am, or make me even feel like I have a, a family? Your pseudo fed family. Pseudo fed. That's what he said. Pseudo fed family. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's not that. It's so much more. And the whole reason that we love our brothers, the whole reason we love our sisters, the whole reason we do life in community, I want to be mindful every time I walk into the room. And so I think, again, this should help us come ready for Sunday morning, Mm. ready for Wednesday night, ready for our accountability groups, ready for our life groups, small groups, whatever they are, because I want to come excited, knowing who I'm going to meet Mm -hmm. and stir them up intentionally, Mm. not to be the sandpaper Christian. I've met a lot of you guys. Mm. I met a lot of them people (laughs) that they think their goal is just to stir them up. Like they come in, everything's fine. Oh, you're having a great day. Let me tell you something to make your day less great. That's not the point of stirring up. Right. Stirring up to love and do good works. The whole reason we we stir one another up. That's mm. good. That's good. Well, we're getting down to the end of our time, guys. So uh, any things that, that that are burning inside of you that we didn't cover that you wanna you wanna bring up in our last couple of minutes? Hmm. So, um, to, to kind of set the stage, verse 17, uh, he quotes Habakkuk, chapter 2. Uh, go back and read Habakkuk. Remember the storyline, Habakkuk's prophet, uh, minor, minor prophet of the Old Testament. Minor doesn't mean small, just means not a lot of pages in the book that he wrote. He is complaining. God, do you not see what's going on? Do you not see the wickedness around me? Do you not see what's going on? Maybe you do see it and you just can't do anything about it. That's some pretty big allegations mm. levied against the Lord. Mm. That's not too different than where the Roman Christians found themselves. Mm-hmm. That's not too different from where we find ourselves. And there's a beautiful passage, and it's one, it's kind of one of those coffee cup uh, verses in here. Um, but the Lord says, look, I'm doing something in your day that even if I told you, you would have a hard time believing it. Mm. The reason he quotes that is to get that verse in their mind's eye as they move forward. So what Paul's going to say, he's going to address a lot of the wickedness. He's going to address the wickedness of the world and the wickedness of religion. So both of those are going to be in view, but this is setting the stage for after the power of the gospel, verse 17 sets the stage for, but I'm doing something. God is doing something in your midst. And even if I told you, you're not going to be able to understand it. And so Habakkuk goes back and says, okay, I hear that. God, what am I going to do? He goes back in kind of this this complaint mode. And then God gives him this word. He said, look, I want you to take a tablet and I want you to write what I'm about to tell you. And I want you to make it so big. I want you to make it so big that when the people are running for their life, they can read it while they're running. And it's this, that the righteous of God will live by faith. And that's a big deal because for the Jews, they would say faith plus. Hmm. And for the Gentiles, they would have a version of faith that may not be as accurate as it could be. And the whole point of this letter is bringing them to understand not faith in themselves, not faith to do what they want to do, not faith in religion, but faith in Christ and Christ alone. Mm -hmm. And that's a big deal. So verse 17 sets that stage for the rest of the letter. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Josh. Is that helpful? It is helpful. That's very helpful. Well, guys, uh, great discussion. I I, I love this and uh, I'm, I'm so excited to continue through the book of Romans. It's going to be going to be a good, good time. Mm-hmm. Hey, this is so. my last podcast for a while. I'm out for a few weeks. Well, mm. well lucky you, we'll talk Neil. About you. Where are you going? Going on ministry leave, you know, so we do what that. What does that mean? Yeah, so once a year we ask all of our ministers to spend some extended time off the grid, 
away um, as a chance to have Sabbath. And so mm. Jennifer and I are doing a bucket list trip to the Grand Canyon. Mm. Awesome. That's fun. Yeah. Awesome. Fun. You're going to take the donkey ride down the little trail into the canyon? I do not know yet. Mm. I think you should, just so we can hear about it. <laughs> Let's take a video or something. <laughs> that donkey starts talking, bro. Better <laughs> <laughs> listen to what he has to say. Run. Run. Uh, I saw a TV episode about, uh, it's like the world's most... Um, uh, uh, I don't know, difficult jobs or something. And it's so there's that glass bridge that hangs out over the Grand Canyon. Mm-hmm. And it was the guy, the guys that get up underneath. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not just guys, they're women that do it too, but they, they, they sort of hang by ropes underneath the bridge over the canyon and clean the glass on oh, the wow. underside. And I, I thought, nope, not me. <laughs> would not do that. I would, I would starve. <laughs> In fact, I was getting nauseous just watching it. On you're, TV. Talk, you're talking about it. My chest is getting tired right now. <laughs> so, Mine's not. I'm not going there. <laughs> I'm out. Anyway, well, enjoy your trip, uh, Thanks, Neil. So Appreciate we're going to miss you, buddy. We Thanks. will miss you guys. We too. will, but we'll talk about you while you're going. Yeah, absolutely, will. I have no doubt. So, hey guys, uh, great time today. Thanks. Oh, great. Love, love you. Thanks. This has been a production of Broadmoor Baptist Church. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with others and don't forget to subscribe. To help us spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe as well. They can find us wherever they prefer to get their podcasts. And if you'd like more information about Broadmoor, please visit our website at broadmoor.org or connect with us on your favorite social media platform where we're listed as at my Broadmoor. Thanks for listening.